Elon Musk has just declared that he's going to have robot servants that he's going to make it for people's homes. <laughs> if you think that technology is invasive right now, just because there's a, a, a machine that dings and, and bids you to come over, wait, wait till it has arms and legs. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi, everybody. It's another exciting week here at Abraham's Wallet. And I, here's where I'm coming from. Um, no banter this week, by the way. It's just me talking to you. Um, <laughs> it, has, it has struck me lately that the kind of hand-wringing concerns that, that were common around, I don't know, say 2016 through 2020 about technology and its place in our homes has uh, gone away. And it's kind of one of those things where, well, there's new crises and there's new things that are much more problematic. Uh, um, I noticed, for instance, that when everybody went into lockdown mode in 2020 and our children surprise, surprise, uh, became addled and maybe uh, depressed and anxiety stricken because they couldn't be with schoolmates anymore. Who knew that being with other people uh, was so important to us, by the way? When these new crises came along, everybody just kind of stopped worrying about the technology issue, even though the facts about the the worrisome nature of social media and ever-present technology in our homes. I mean, I'm thinking of where I'm sitting right now. I, I, I'm, I have my phone in front of me. I have a laptop open in front of me. I have a second screen that's on. I have my very fancy recorder here. I have a um, hard drive in front of me, which... Guys, this thing is like the size of a credit card, and it's like two terabytes of memory. And I'm just looking at the technology in front of me, and my grandfather wouldn't know what to do with with what I'm looking at. And we know, I mean, the documentaries and articles have all been written that the people who created the technology that we use every day they tell us, they have told us, we created these things to make addicts out of you, to make you fully integrated and dependent with this technology. And there was a little bit of talk about it for a while, and now it's all gone away. And the fact that nobody's really talking about the trouble of technology um, doesn't mean that it's um, not a threat to your home. I believe it is a threat to your home. I don't think that we can stop talking about or considering the effects of, of technology in our homes and the threat that it represents to our children, um, to our marriages, to the way that our family works together. So that, I just want to spend a little time to get today on that. I will, uh, I will tell you something that I'm going to do um, 
after I talk a little bit more. I'm going to play, as I've been thinking about this, what came to mind was an, a crazy interview I, I did with my friend David Russell. We happened to be at lunch one day. We did not even have a, the Abraham's Wallet podcast did not exist at this time. But there was a little period in my life when I was thinking about, boy, I would like to have a podcast. And I just started recording really good conversations that I had with friends. That might seem strange, but... I was doing that for a while, and I thought of the conversation that me and my friend David Russell had at lunch one day. We were talking about a book, which I'll introduce in a second, and he started getting fired up about it, and so I just pulled out my phone, I believe, and hit record and started recording it. So as you'll hear, the audio quality is a little frustrating. We really feel that's one of our hallmarks here at Abraham's Wallet is to give you frustrating audio. I mean, it's not that frustrating. You can hear what we're saying pretty clearly. But yeah, there's some really uh, heated conversations happening around us. You can almost make those out. Anyhow, I thought we were having a good conversation. So I'm going to play that in a second. Um, but I just want to address the topic of technology scripturally, if I can, if I can do that for a second. Daniel 12.4 God says that knowledge shall increase. Okay, so God knew that. I'm going to read, I'm going to read uh, the section of Babel because the Tower of Babel, I think, represents um, one of the best pictures we have of technology, what it does and what God's reaction is to it. But in the middle of that section, um, God says, this is only the beginning of what they will do. He's talking about people. And they had this idea, we'll build something incredible, make a name for ourselves. And God says, this is only the beginning of what they'll do. And again, in Daniel 12, 4, he said, knowledge will increase. As we get to the book in a second, um, 1 Corinthians six twelve says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. So it's always a good idea to ask the Lord, what, what am I enslaved to in my life? And what is my family enslaved to? That's why it's helpful to do something like Lodo February. We recommend a practice in February where you cut all of your spending way down. This is why fasting is helpful. This is why in our calendar year, in my family, we have what we, what we call clean, months of clean eating, where we just pick out, I'm looking up at my calendar right now in my little office space, where we just, we just have a, a month or two in the year where we just go, we're eating clean this month. That means we're not going to eat any sugar. There's no desserts. We're going to eat more uh, vegetables during that month. And personally, it's not so much that that healthy eating is so very important to me. It's good. I want to take care of my temple, but it's because I don't want to be enslaved to anything. And the technology that surrounds us and the technology that you're using right now to listen to these words absolutely represents an opportunity for you to be enslaved. And you weren't made to be enslaved. You, you were created for good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You were created for him. You were created for God's heart, to, for relationship. And you don't need me to tell you 
that the technology in your home is a threat to relationship, that it can isolate people and cut them off from one another. Anybody who's ever tried to have a conversation, I was at, I was at coffee this morning having a conversation and several times <laughs> I'm thinking of this guy in front of me, he is looking at his watch and I'm always a little bit shy about looking at my watch even to check the time. And this guy's looking at his watch full blown and I know he's reading messages. I don't know if it's text messages or emails on his watch. And I'm thinking, hello, I'm right here. And obviously those things have a way of damaging um, relationships. Okay, I'm going to read just this quick story. It's only nine verses from Genesis 11. It's the Tower of Babel. Now the earth had one language and the same words. My, my friend Arya uh, Bar-David is sure that the one language that covered the earth was Hebrew. Um, he believes it was the first language, but the point, it doesn't tell us that. This scripture just says the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. By the way, that was technology in itself, the ability to make bricks. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city. So they're using technology to make more technology. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. That's the end goal is great is, you know, uh, personal satisfaction, personal greatness. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. I'm just going to pause here and say that the goal of the makers of the Tower of Babel was, one, to make a name for themselves, and it was, two, that they didn't want to be dispersed throughout the whole earth, which I think is amazing because in the, in the internet age in which we live, the, the, the good that is commonly told us, what's the good? Well, it's that we're all connected. Isn't that the good? Isn't that great? We're all connected. And I've, I, I teach a culture class and I have thought many times, I'm not sure that that's good. I, I'm not sure. I suppose we could pray for the trouble that we know is happening in other parts of the world right now, we could pray. That's not what most people do. The vast majority of people and the vast majority of Christians who hear about trouble, even in other states, I'm talking about states that you never visit, they're not part of your life. When you hear about trouble that happens in other states, you fret and complain and grouse about it, probably not praying but we're we're presented as if as if ultimate connectivity ultimate information is only a good thing um i'm not sure that it is a good thing i i i feel like um being locally involved having a small thick community as rodrer has coined the phrase in uh, the benedict option that having a a small community where you have thick connections that's far more important than knowing a little bit about other countries that are all over the planet. So I'll get back to these these terrible pagans in uh, the Tower of Babel. They say, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed um, over the face of the whole earth. And then things change in verse 5, because the Lord came down 
to see that city. I'd find that fascinating to think of God coming down to investigate. And we'll see what the Lord's judgments are. And to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. God didn't make it. You might remember Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, you don't want to be a part of it. Now, that's, that's, my, that's my interpretation of it. Unless it's the Lord that's doing the building, it's in vain because it's not going to last. And we certainly don't want to build something that opposes him. Well, the Lord came and he saw this city which the children of man had built. He did not build it. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing, this is amazing statement that God says, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Amazing. I think of that, uh, I don't know if you watch the videos that, that are that are made by, um, I believe it's Boston Robotics, and about every nine months, they'll put out a new video of what these robots can do, and the robots are so adroit, and they're doing flips, and they're jumping and running, and I find it um, not not really amazing. I find it super troubling to think, what what are these robots going to do? I mean, Elon Musk has just declared that he's going to have personal servants, uh, robot servants that he's going to make it for people's homes, and I. <laughs> If you think that technology is invasive right now, um, just because there's a, a, a machine that dings and, and bids you to come over, wait wait till it has arms and legs in your home. And we'll see what invasive looks like. Anyways, we're, we're, the future is, is <laughs> the future is concerning. We, we should pray our way into the future. Okay. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. This is verse 7 of Genesis 11. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. I bet they did. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, this is completely opinion. I'm just guessing here, okay? But we know that that God's redemptive heart is to retard the endless speeding thrust of man towards his own destruction. God wants to retard that process. Could it be here that at the Tower of Babel, the Lord, the Lord's epiphany, when he says nothing they do will be uh, impossible for them, could it be that God said, I will, instead of, uh, instead of letting them go ahead with their plans, I'm just going to put the emergency brake on this plan. Um, not that it will be stopped forever. He doesn't say that anywhere. He just prevented this one project from happening. There is a unifying project, of course, on the face of the earth. It, it is the internet. Um, it's the Bluetooth and the internet signals that you have going through your house, probably a, a, a dozen or so waves of that kind streaming through your house at all times. And it could it be 
that what's being built right now is the completion of the Babel project. Um, I don't know that. I'm just the my main takeaway from from Genesis 11 is that the Lord doesn't necessarily approve of all uses of technology. That that I think that's a pretty simple conclusion that we should come to. God doesn't approve of all uses of technology. We can't simply say it's new, therefore it's good. And we're supposed to use discernment and we're supposed to test the spirits, so says 1 John. We're supposed to test things. Um, I personally don't think it's smart for you to have uh, Alexa on in your house listening to your conversations at all times. Um, having Siri on your iPhone is the same thing. Um, I, I know people who've worked in the technology security industry. They, they say these things are constantly on. They're constantly listening to you and, and your stuff is being recorded. Now, I, I, I have no interest in sounding like a conspiracy theorist. I, I just think that we're, I'm using that as an example. Okay. Let's say that it's true that, you know, spies are listening to our words. Okay. If it's true that I just want to make this point, we shouldn't just say yes to everything. We should be discerning. And if you have prayed about it and you're discerning, you've tested the spirits, well, we want Alexa in our house. Okay. Well, that's your choice. Um, but when the next new amazing thing comes out, um, we should all consider it before we go, Oh, it's neat, new, cool. I'll, I'll grab it. We, we should pause a little bit. So um, on this note, in, in 2017, I went to a conference and I heard, um, I heard a guy named Andy Crouch speak and he started talking about technology. Well, I don't know if you know the Barna group. I, I, they're, a, they're a highly respected, high integrity um, polling outfit and every every few years they put out a book that that um that kind of summarizes their findings and they went to Andy Crouch and they said we want to put out a book of our findings but we want there to be a a, a personal touch to it so this author what he does in the in this book that I'm about to tell you about he combines um, Barna's findings about how people are being shaped by technology, the challenges, um, the, the, the watch outs, how people feel about technology with his own story and things that he's learned in his home. I think it's a really helpful read. It's not a difficult read. It's very helpful. It's called The Tech Wise Family, The Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. Um, I think it's very helpful simply because it gives you a forum to consider and maybe talk with somebody about these things going on. I know that you've heard Mark and I talk about technology. We talked about phones quite a bit in the past, but but technology in general. I'm going to read a couple of uh, just a couple of paragraphs from the first chapter of this book. He says, um, this is about how to find the proper place for technology in our family lives. So the proper place and how to keep it there. If only were it were as simple as cleaning up a bunch of stuffed animals. But technology is literally everywhere in our homes. Not only the devices in our pockets, but the invisible electromagnetic waves that flood our homes. 
This change has come about overnight in the blink of an eye in terms of human history and culture. This is a great point right here. When previous generations confronted the perplexing challenges of parenting and family life, they could fall back on wisdom, or at least old wives' tales that had been handed down for generations. But the pace of technological change has surpassed anyone's capacity to develop enough wisdom to handle it. We are stuffing our lives with technology's new promises, with no clear sense of whether technology will help, keep, help us keep the promises we've already made. That's great. i got to read it again. We are stuffing our lives with technology's new promises with no clear sense of whether technology will help us keep the promises we've already made. So I, I think that's a wonderful frame um, for, for a conversation. I, I, so the first thing I'll say before I play this, this little conversation I had with my friend David Russell is I recommend the TechWise family to you. Um, not that all of its answers are what you have to do. You're going to hear David talk about that in a second. Um, but because you should be talking about it, you should be thinking about it. Remember 1 Corinthians six twelve: all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful and I will not be enslaved by anything. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw it to this rowdy conversation I had with David Russell in a restaurant where we started talking. And I, I think I said, can I record you talking about this? And he said, sure. And so I yanked out my phone and away we went. Here it goes. Can you tell me how overuse of technology in a home could threaten building a family? If, if I'm looking at my family like... Um, multi-generation team on mission um, and that implies that everybody has a role in the family and everybody is needed in the family in order for the family to um, to be intact and to grow and to be who to, to achieve that, that mission um, then I think that as, as great as technology can be and as useful as it can be, it can also drive us into isolation. And that, to me, is in direct contrast and contradiction to being a multi-generational team on missions. Um, family is not an individual sport. And I think that technology, if you allow it, it can make family be in, an individual sport. Where everybody has their own, their own thing that they are focused on and they're not focused, they're not, they haven't developed empathy for anybody else in the family because they, it's just about them. Um, and I think we're families that, um, when family's going good, there's a great level of empathy. Um, there is a sense of connection. Um, there is a sense of togetherness, and um, I think technology more and more, um, if we just kind of follow the current, it takes us away from that, and um, I think that's just detrimental. You were telling me about a conversation that you're having in your family about technology. First, just let me ask, why is technology even an issue or a strain on your family at all? 
I think it, it, technology is presently an issue um, because one, it, it can be so overwhelming. It's ever present, um, and the messaging, the messaging that that my family receives is that you can't live without it, and um, you know. With kids 15, 12, and 8, and really being first generation parents who have had to deal with this, um, and trying to send a message of like the technology should not replace the interpersonal communication, and how we just start seeing how our kids aren't. They can struggle in, in just having a conversation and relating to someone. They're not picking up the phone and talking. They're texting, or they're they're just so focused on the device. They're not focused on people. Um, and even being an, an adopter of technology myself, I think it's it's challenging because I can get lost in th in, in thinking that yeah, I, I need this to do my to do my work. But then that spills over into I don't read the paper, I read my phone, or um, I don't watch the nightly news, but I'm always looking at the news throughout the day to figure out what's going on because I need to know what's going on every single minute of every single day. And and I'm not. I've had to ask myself, am I, what types of behaviors am I modeling? Is it um, get off your phone while I'm on mine? Is me being on my device taken away from my interaction with my kids and my wife and my family? And so not being an expert and knowing people who have kind of been out ahead of this, it's just like I need to figure out and find someone who has walked this walk before me, you know? And so, and not to mention um, what technology does the impact that it has on your um, chemically in your brain I mean the um, the bit that was on 60 minutes around the intentionality that technology companies have and just kind of that that dopamine and, and all of that, that that rush that you get I mean it's just like wait a minute Someone else is controlling me right now, and I, I, I need to take a step back. Yes, I don't have kids as old as you, but I have a marriage, and um, I appreciate the tension or, that our devices can introduce into relationships and kind of going, I don't really have access to you right now, do I? Even though I live with you and I might be sitting in the same bed as you right now, but I don't have access to you. So in April, I heard a speaker called whatever that guy's name is, can't remember, James something. And he mentioned this book called The TechWise Family. <clears throat> I later got that book and devoured it in short order because it was something I hadn't seen previously. That is, an author acknowledges what we all know about the dangers of technology, whatever that means. Hold those technologies against a biblical standard and then actually gives us practical steps that he has not only researched but has practiced in his own home and then creates some some boundaries for us to, to walk inside. How did you react to the book? What's some stuff that stood out to you and what have you implemented from the book? Oh my gosh. 
there's so many parts in the book where you read it and you're just like, I have, did, did I just read that? Like, I have to read that again. The first thing is like how literally technology can be this in the center of your home. And, you know, it's one thing to pick the book up and, and just to, to be willing to, to glean anything from it. But are you willing to do the work? Technology needs to have a separate resting space. It needs to sleep somewhere else and not in your rooms. Now, this is one of those things of do as I say, not as I do. I think you can get comfortable as an adult of, oh, my phone is my alarm clock, so I'm going to keep it next to my bed. Um, but we would tell our kids, no devices in your room. But we have devices in our room. And that's like, wait a minute. Because the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I reach over and I look and I say, okay, what's going on? Not what time is it, but like, okay, how many emails do I have? You know, let me check Twitter real quick and see what's going on since I've been asleep, you know? And so we've created, uh, my wife has created a, um, a technology closet. It's where all the devices live. All the computers stay there. That's where they're, they're charged. The iPhones have a, a, a sleeping suite there where they sleep. And the expectation is, is that, you know, at 9 o'clock, phones go, go to sleep. And they don't get back up until you're going, leaving, the, leaving the house in the morning. And so, um, you know, in the book it talks about um, no screens before double digits or something like that. Um, and I, I think that might work in some context, but... For our, for our, for our kids, for our family, it's um, it's like no screens until after breakfast. Um, and if you have free time before you're walking out the door, it's not a time to get on your device. It's a time for you to engage with the family. Um, and so that's that's one thing that has been that's been huge, and it's made me to dig out an old alarm clock and put that on my bedside table and put my phone away. And that's made a huge difference in just how I get up in the morning um, and my ability to go to sleep. Because if I can't sleep, then I'm going to look over my phone and be like, okay, I can't sleep. So I'm going to check some things out. And it's like I am, I'm in the bed much quicker. I sleep more soundly because then I don't have the glow in the middle of the night if something happens. Um, and so that's just, that's just one example of... of a huge difference that it's made for us um, and it's, it's try, try to describe a little bit about when you said it's different when I wake up try to describe how's it different when you wake up even getting into emotions the first thing that I would do is I would check my social media when I wake up in the morning or my email and so if someone had emailed me something or uh, it, it would immediately like I wouldn't even wake up fully, but I would check my email and I would see I'm already behind because I've already got things that I have to do that someone is wanting for me, and that just kind of turned my, it, it made me grumpy in the mornings, and it was like, why are you, you, did you not sleep well? Oh, I slept fine. I just got an email. Well, it's 6.30 in the morning. Like, So it's, it's the signal that anxiety can begin now. Immediately. 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 Yeah. When I look at emails first thing in the morning, I'm setting a precedent in my mind that I'm going to react to the world today as opposed to I'm going to make something. I'm going to be proactive today. 
Can you think of anything else that you've implemented directly from the book? You were talking about the way that you constructed your home. I thought the thing about the technology closet was excellent. Have you, have you physically made any other changes because of the book? We have. We're, we are moving, moving quickly to a place of the tech-free Sabbath. So it's the, you know, one hour a day, one week a year. Um, you know, we're on our Sabbath. You know, we started off with a no screens until you know 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, and and it's like that's like a baby step to get you know once once you once you go to like screens as soon as you get up in the morning, go play that Xbox as soon as you get up in the morning. We have we have taken more incremental steps to say okay, nothing until 12. Find something else to do, play a game, be with your family, you know. Color, draw, do something like that. And so now that that boundary is getting even wider. To like, okay, now it's now it's four o'clock, or and and that has made it that more digestible for us. Uh, I think one thing, another thing that that we've implemented is um, we have family that lives, you know, anywhere from an hour and a half to six hours away from us, and so we just gotten used to when you get in the car. You get on a device. It's DVD, it's phone, it's iPad, it's something, and everybody's got their headphones on, and no one's engaging with each other. Now, that might be good if my wife and I are wanting to listen to a book or wanting to have a conversation, but we just found like that was becoming somewhat of an entitlement. And so, and we have, we've said, no screens, no earbuds in, um, and we do carpool karaoke. And taking that principle out of the book of just like singing as a family and not letting like, you know, um, the radio kind of drive like you have a voice. And it's, it's, a, it's a vulnerable place to sing. Uh, it's a way for us to connect and we share stories while we're driving. Um, someone in the car gets to be the DJ and choose like what songs are being are being sung and sometimes we might take a song and we might you know weird out it and make up our own words to it if we don't know the words and so that has um, that's definitely brought more energy and more life into car rides when we go on road trips so and they become a place to tie heartstrings with your family as opposed to distance growing distance when you're recommending the book to other men, how are you advertising the book to them? I mean, I have to advertise it and just talk about how it's impacted me and my family and my thinking and kind of where I started when my wife gave me the book and said, hey, here's a book that we need we need to understand as a family. Um, it's impacted me in a significant way. I mean, I mean and the great thing is that you don't have to have, have it all figured out. Um, there's grace in this, but there is um, there are some fundamentals that I think are easily applicable. Um, and as a man, it's like you, you want to have success, you want to you want to get some wins, and this is an opportunity that you can have some layups that won't cause a lot of pain for your family, but, they'll, but they will set the tone for what's to come. Um, and so 
I just market it by sharing my experiences of like this has really impacted me and I'm still trying to figure it out. But there are some things that, that I have done that have really made a difference. Last thing, do you feel as a father that you have as much access as you want to the hearts of your kids or that you always want more? I always want more. Okay. Well, there it is, friends. I hope that you're uh, a little encouraged by that. I hope you're challenged a little bit to be thinking. I'd like for you to. I'd like for you to get a copy of the TechWise family. I think it'd be healthy for you. Please be talking with your spouses, as you heard David describing what the rules are for yourself. It, it shouldn't be green light all the time. Whatever. Um, there should be boundaries, whether that's the way that your Sabbath works, the way that evenings work, the way that mornings work. I beg of you to create levees where the where the technology can't come any farther in into the all the pores of your home. Um, I'll remind you from our lesson on the Tower of Babel. Not all technology is God-approved. We should be careful at the way that we interface with technology. We should be doubly careful with our children, more careful the younger they are about what we allow um, for them. I'm not telling you a rule here. I'm not telling you the way you have to do things. Um, For me and my family, my wife and I had had read and heard that it's bad for a, a kid's brain formation to be in front of a screen if they're under 18 months. So we would we never put them in front of any screen, not not even a television, not to quiet them, nothing uh, before 18 months. And we were, gosh, I'd say we were nearly uh, frightened isn't the right word, but we were uh, vigilant that our children would not be become, they would not become screen addicted, whether it was watching television or playing games. Um, Our children never had access to phones or pads. They really still don't. And we monitor all of that very closely because it's not hard for things to get more extreme technology. And by the way, we should never allow the excuse of we want our children to be um, competent in technology. They, they need to be literate in how to use a phone. Hey, guys, they'll come up. They can come up with that in about a week and a half. They can get savvy. And if we could wait until they're 20 for them to have that week and a half, it'll be better for their brains. It'll be better for their relationships. It'll be better for their spiritual lives. So we don't need any encouragement to have more technology. We have to be wise about where we stop it. And and I believe that's part of our job as parents. But even if you don't have any children, I hope you're hearing me say this this conversation should be ongoing and there will be increasingly intrusive technologies invented that will want to be at your bedside they will they'll want you to wear them wherever you go 
that's just that's just the way the the again the lie of connectedness is just going to always be in front of us and so i pray vigilance for you i pray sobriety for you i pray that your family is forgive me for using this phrase i'm i'm not getting paid for you to buy this book but i pray that you are a tech wise family i pray that you're savvy that you keep these things where they belong and that you rule. You don't just passively let it let it roll through your family. You rule your home. Um, I would even say like a biblical boss. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for your time. Um, bless you as you process through these things. We'll see you next week. <laughs>